1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to ask you this evening, what is the greatest thing you can talk about at Christmas? What is the greatest thing you can talk about at Christmas? Well, it is certainly not restrictions. It is certainly not the government. It is certainly not the vaccine. We can all talk about those things. We can all talk about them for quite a long time. But that is not the greatest thing you can talk about. It is certainly not getting into an argument with somebody at the mall or a family member that you may or may not see. (laughs) What is the greatest thing that you can talk about at Christmas? I want you just to think about that for a little bit. Well, it's not just the only thing you can talk about at Christmas time. It's the greatest thing you can talk about all the time. And it's something that we're going to look at tonight. So let's talk about true love. Let's talk about true love. Uh, of course, hopefully, some of you are uh, not typical people. And hopefully some of you have missed out on Hallmark movies this time around. Hallmark movies and cheesy Christmas love stories are all over television right now. We saw one recently that was horrible. It was horribly cheesy. In fact, I quit watching it. My wife continued to watch it, and I could not believe that she continued to watch it. It was very, very cheesy. There are a ton of them on Netflix and all kinds of other places, and they cheesily try to portray Christmas as the greatest time to find your true love. And I understand it. You could script the whole thing for them. It's so easy. It's cheesy. It's terrible. But this is not what we're talking about today, all right? (laughs) Paul has a little bit of a different story for us to declare tonight, and that's what we want to look at. So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look with me in verse 1. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, Unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that... He was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace was bestowed upon me, which, excuse me, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into this. Father, thank you so much for this day, for the opportunity that you've given us to be here this evening. And Father, I pray that you would help us understand what the gospel is and how we can best portray that. And Father, help us as we go this Christmas and we use our tongue, help it to be used in love, help it to be used in a way that you would be pleasing to you. Help us to see people receive that. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Hopefully, if you haven't gotten the picture by now, the greatest thing that we can talk about this Christmas is the gospel. Paul is very clearly talking about the gospel. But notice with me the first word that Paul uses in this chapter. You'll notice with me verse 1, he says, moreover, moreover. He says, on top of, or more importantly than chapter 14, which is, he talks, talking about tongues... More importantly than the prophecy that I talked to you about at the beginning of chapter 14, I declare unto you the gospel. So on top of, more importantly than the last couple of things that we've talked about, which is talking in love and speaking the things that become love, more important is that is the gospel. The gospel is the most important thing that we can talk about this Christmas and really all year round. There are many things that we can talk about, but this is the most important. If you will, it is the greatest act of true love ever. The greatest act of true love ever. So Hallmark can try to recreate something that is very wonderful and lovely. But listen, it does not compare to what Christ did for us on the cross. And what he did for us by becoming a man. Paul said, I am bringing it up to you again. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. I've already preached this to you. I've already given it to you. It's something that I've already declared unto you. And so he's already preached it to you once. So let's go and see what he says about the gospel in Acts chapter 18. This is where we see him declaring the gospel. Acts chapter 18. Verse 1. Acts chapter 18 and verse 1. The Bible says this, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Good? Everybody understand that we're in the book of 1 Corinthians and now Paul's coming to Corinth. All right? Stay with me. Stay awake, please. The Bible says this in verse 2, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius hath commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So just very simply, he reasoned in the synagogue with these people and began to discuss things in the temple with the Jews and the Greeks. Jump down to verse 7 with me. The Bible says, And he departed thence. And entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. It was right next to the synagogue. Verse 8, And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Verse 9, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Very simply, Paul, when Paul made it to Corinth, he began to teach and to preach the gospel to them. He began to teach to them Christ crucified. He began to teach to them why the sin of their lives really condemned them to a place called hell and that place needed to be uh, uh, that sin excuse me needed to be rectified and Jesus could reconcile us to himself if we would just allow him many of them as we saw in this chapter believed and were baptized 
Corinth was a place where Paul, on top of preaching, had the blessing of God to preach as well. Hey, don't hold back. Just keep it going. Just keep preaching. Uh, We have many people here. There will be no one that will rise up against you. He did, and I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want you to see now the result after many years. After many years, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want you just to think about this. We've read this already. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Watch now. Which also ye have received. Many of them received it and were baptized. We know that. Watch this. And he says, and wherein ye stand. Important. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. These people received, they stand, and they are saved by this gospel. Let me say that again. They received, they stand, and they are saved by this gospel. These are the three things that will happen. Listen, these are the three results that will happen if you consistently and persistently proclaim the gospel. You will see people receive, you will see people stand, and you will see people saved. I want to give one slight caveat. I want to explain this and hopefully help us understand that. Many years, we have been often told that we have to proclaim the gospel at any cost. Proclaim the gospel at any cost, no matter what people think, no matter what comes, no matter what goes, just proclaim the gospel. And I agree with that. But what has happened is this has led us, many people, to proclaim the gospel in a brash tone. Brashly. Hey, it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter if they care to hear you or not. You better proclaim the gospel. Now, interestingly enough, in an effort to not declare the gospel brashly, we have stopped declaring the gospel. We've done it both ways. We've gone from one extreme to the other. The gospel, though, is the most loving thing that we can declare to anyone. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, talks about everything about love and how we're supposed to show love in the church and outside of the church. We need to view declaring the gospel as a love for our Savior, listen, as a love for our Savior and as a love for the people around us. Listen, I love my wife and I have no problem declaring that. I have no problem walking around saying this is my wife and introducing people to her. Why? Because I love her. If I was ashamed of her, I would have a bit more of a problem with that. But I'm not. I love her. Listen, on top of that, I want people to meet her. I know that my wife can help people. Listen, Jesus Christ can help people. And if you love them as Christ loved them, you will proclaim the gospel in love to the people around us. The gospel is the most loving thing that we can declare to anyone. You can say, I love you. But if you love someone, you will declare the gospel to them. I believe that with all my heart. So as we look at this passage of declaring the gospel, let's take a note from Paul. Who declared the truth, again, this is in the context of 1 Corinthians 13, in love. So I want to show you this evening, very simply, three results of speaking of true love. Three results of speaking in true love. Number one, very simply here, you can see it in verse 1, also ye have received. There will be people who receive. 
Listen, when we speak true love, when we declare the gospel in love, there will be people who receive it. Now, most of us go, what? No way. I can't believe that someone would actually receive the gospel. Listen, nobody receives the gospel in 2020, right? All of us have that mindset, I think, sometimes. It's like, well, we have the good news, but nobody wants to hear it. We have the good news, but culture doesn't want us to say anything. And our society wants to put up a barrier and say, no thanks, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about politics or religion. Well, listen, we talk about politics every stinking day of our lives. Maybe it's time we brought up the other. People will receive the gospel. Let's take a look at the good news that Paul declared to them. Let's give them a look at what it actually means to hear the gospel. I want you to know, first of all here, if you jump down to verse 3, that Paul says, he, the, I declare unto you the gospel how that Christ died for our sins. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The entire reason that Jesus Christ came to this earth, the entire reason that Jesus Christ lived 33 and a half years, the entire reason that Jesus died on the cross was he died for our sins. Just think about that. Just think about how wonderful that is. The Bible says that the gospel is the good news. What good news that is that Jesus died for our sins. Our sins, this is the hard part that none of us likes the bad news. We don't like the bad news, do we? We want to give people good news. So here's the bad news. Our sins condemn us to die. Our sins destined us for death. Listen, that's, that's the only bad news in this story. That's the only bad news in this story is that we were born into a world of sin. We are all sinners. We all deserve to die because of our sin. That's it. That's the bad news. But the good news is this. That Jesus Christ died so that we don't have to. Good news, folks. You don't have to die because Jesus Christ died for you. Isaiah 53, 5. The Bible says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Because of what Christ did, because of the payment that he gave, because of the bruising, because of the iniquities of us, he was bruised and he was wounded and he was completely, utterly beaten. Because of that, we are healed. John chapter 1 and verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, watch, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is the good news. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Listen, that's exciting news. Exciting news. The problem people and often I think Christians focus on is the bad news. Paul's not here. Paul's speaking the truth in love. And listen, there is a reality of hell. We understand that. We know that. But so often we forget about the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ came to rectify and reconcile us to himself. There is nothing separating us from him anymore because he died on the cross for our sins according to the scriptures. But interestingly enough, verse 4, the Bible says, and he, and that he was buried. This is important. 
This is very important. He was buried. Have you ever actually thought about the importance of burial? Beyond uh, what, the, what we take burial for granted in our society, we really do. Well, we, he, he died and now we bury him. We often say, hey, you're on the right side of the sod. That's a good thing, right? When you die, we automatically immediately put people in the ground in our minds. And listen, that's okay. That's what we do. But I'm not talking about the physical importance of burial. There's an importance of burial, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the spiritual importance of burial. What was the spiritual importance of burial in the life of Jesus Christ, actually in the death of Jesus Christ? Well, I want you to see Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40. The Bible says, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay, so it was prophesied about. Most of us don't think about that. But the burial was important because as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth, or the belly of the earth, three days and three nights. I want you to think about this. When Jonah was in the whale's belly, what happened to him? Just think with me. Don't, go, don't overcomplicate it, but think about it. Don't think about physically either. Think about spiritually. What happened? A change began to happen. Listen, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He did not want to preach righteousness and change to the people of Nineveh. And so he runs away from God. And in running away from God, they, a storm comes up in the ship. They throw him overboard. And God creates a great fish to swallow Jonah. Listen, physically that would stink, literally, right? And it's going to smell like a nasty fish going on. Some rotten things going on. There's all kinds of nastiness going on in there. So physically, yes. And if you think about, I mean, you could get really gross and nasty here. If you think about stomach fluids and all of that stuff, it'd be nasty. But listen, far beyond the physical uh, change that was happening to Jonah, he was three days and three nights in the whale of Eddie. There was something spiritual going on in his life. There was, there was a change happening in his life. Listen to me. Burial brings about the change. Listen, when you are put into the ground after you die, you start to change. You return back to dust, the Bible says. Burial takes us back to the original dust. Listen to this. Without burial, Jesus could not have transformed. Think about this. Without burial, Jesus could not have transformed. When Jesus died and was buried, guess what he did? He took the sins of the entire world with him and he buried them. Guys, think about that. He took the sin. The Bible says that God placed upon him the sins of the entire world. And when he was buried, guess what he did? He took those with him. They are buried Let's go over to Romans chapter 6, if you would. Just a few pages back from where you are in 1 Corinthians. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. Keep your finger here. We'll be back here in just a minute. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. The Bible says this. Know ye not. Oh, I'm in chapter 7. I apologize. Romans chapter 6. The Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. 
How shall we that are dead to sin living longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, watch this now, were baptized into his death. Therefore, verse 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Listen to me. We, when we are baptized into Jesus Christ, our sins are buried. Our sins are buried. Guess what? Romans chapter 6 is an entire chapter saying your sins are no longer a part of who you are. When we are baptized into Jesus Christ, we call this Holy Spirit baptism. You're placed under the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you and lives inside of you. This is salvation. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. They are buried in the deepest ocean. Because listen, Jesus took them with him. They are buried. Listen, that is wonderful, exciting news. There's nothing bad about that. That is exciting. Because no longer do you have to bear the weight of those burdens. No longer do you have to bear the weight of those sins. It is simply because Jesus was buried. And the sins went with him. But not only that. Look at the end of, keep your finger here in Romans chapter 6. We're coming back there. Look at the end of verse 4. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He rose again the third day. Listen to this. When Jesus rose again, he transformed. Right? The Bible says that Jesus died. And the Bible says that he went to hell and conquered hell, conquered death, and rose again. Guess what he did? He left the sin buried. It stayed there. It was paid for. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Look at the end of Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 again. The Bible says this. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. Newness of life. Listen, when we baptize somebody, we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. What? To walk in newness of life. We say that for a reason. Because, listen, you are not the same person you used to be. You are passed from death unto life. You are passed from from darkness to light. Your sin is no longer with you. And that's what Jesus did. He went and he came back. Listen, when he came back, you remember what he told one of the ladies, please don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my father. Listen, there was a transformation that happened. There was something spectacular that happened in the ground. When he was there for three days and three nights, we can also walk in newness of life. We now have a new man, the Bible says, who is after the image of him that created him. Romans chapter 8 Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. God wants you to be just like Jesus. Just like pure Jesus. Listen, 
that's exciting news. That is exciting news that Jesus Christ not only died for our sins, but took them and buried them in the deepest ocean, paid for them, rose again and became new, and likewise we the same. What good news. So listen, that's something people want to receive. That's something people want to receive, especially when they know they're a sinner. So it's important that we show them and tell them and declare unto them the gospel which they can receive. But not only do they receive, if you'll look with me at the end of chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, the Bible says this, and wherein ye stand. So ye receive, and wherein ye stand. Now think about what good news, or excuse me, that good news, after it received, what it allows you to do. Think about what it allows you to do. It allows you to stand. Think about when you have someone on your side. When you don't have a burden on your back anymore, and you have Jesus Christ with you, the end of Romans chapter 8 talks about being more than a conqueror. Why? Because we have Jesus Christ who loved us. We can stand. Jude, verse 3, beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Listen, because of the salvation that was delivered unto the saints, you can earnestly contend for the faith. It allows you to stand. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. It allows you to stand. Galatians 5.1, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Yes, folks, it allows you to stand. It allows you to stand firm. It allows you to stand upon the rock of Jesus Christ. It allows us to have a foundation that will not wash away when storms come. It is something spectacular. It is something great that we can stand in the liberty that we have. So it allows us to stand. But it also, this standing alludes to your position. Let me ask you tonight, what is your standing? What is your standing? Well, listen, because I know Jesus Christ, my standing is I am a child of God. That's my standing. John chapter 1 and verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Because I believed in Jesus Christ, my standing is a son or a child of God. That's my standing. I don't have to worry about not being that son or child anymore. That's, that's who I am. That describes me. That is my standing. My standing in Christ is I am his joint heir. Listen to that. That's wonderful news. I stand as a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We're joint heirs with Christ. We get the same benefits that he gets as a child of God, as the son of God. We are joint heirs with him. I'm a joint heir. My standing 
My others, my also standing is I am his fellow citizen. I am his habitation. Think about this. Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. No more, but fellow citizens. With the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Listen, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Listen, I have God living inside of me. I have God living in and amongst me. I have God with me all the time. I am a fellow citizen and a habitation. Listen, this is exciting news. This is exciting news for someone who does not know Jesus Christ and for someone who does. So often we look at the world around us and say they want nothing to do with Christ. And I understand why. Because the light does repel darkness. I get that. There are so many that this would be good news for them. This would be good news that they no longer have to cower in fear. They no longer have to be a slave to Satan anymore. They no longer have to be a slave to their sin. They can be freed and they can stand. And they will have a standing to which God intended. Son, a child of God, a joint heir, a fellow citizen, a habitation. I think sometimes we can lose sight of this. Sometimes we can act like we aren't a child of God. Sometimes we forget, hey, I'm, I'm a child of God. How does a child of God act? We act like we have forgotten that we are his habitation, that he lives with us, in us, and through us. We forget that. And we think, well, I'm going to live how I want to live, and I'm going to act the way that I want to act, and I'm going to uh, live by my impulses. Listen, you're a child of God. He is your habitation. And so today, I hope you can say that you stand in Jesus Christ. Because it is this good news that Paul says, wherein ye stand. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 2, beginning, he says, by which also ye are saved. By which also ye are saved. I've often thought about this in even this morning's message. I spent a little bit of time studying to what we are saved from. So let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. The Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. He shall save his people from their sins. Acts chapter 4 and verse 2. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men. Whereby ye must be saved. Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Again, what are we being saved from? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you can have death or you can be saved from death and have eternal life. Romans 5.9, much more than 
being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. See, there's a, there's a wrath coming. You may not know what that wrath is, but there's a wrath coming, and we are saved from that. We are saved from the penalty and punishment of sin. Sin no longer has dominion over us. We are free. Listen, that is wonderful, wonderful good news. This is the reason for the season. This is it. Listen, this is the only reason why Jesus Christ came. To die for our sins, bury them, and rise again. According to the scriptures. This is what was prophesied of old. Isaiah 53, we looked at. We can see it all over. We can see Jesus Christ proclaiming his own death and for which he would die. This is the news that Paul wanted to spread. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you, I give it to you again. I've already preached it once, but I want to give it to you again. So listen, it may be to the first person that has ever heard it, or the first time a person has ever heard it. It might be the second, third, fourth, fifth, and I'm sure some of you, this is the one millionth time you've heard this message. But does it not encourage you? I can't, I can't get over it. I can't get over how exciting the salvation message is, how exciting and what good news the gospel is. This is the news we ought to be spreading. Not just to people who don't know about it, but to the people who already know. Because they've received it and they stand and they are saved. But again, I want to encourage you, it should not only be out of necessity that we spread this news. It should be out of love. It should be out of love. So let me ask you again, what is the greatest thing you can speak about? And there's lots of things that I like to talk about. There's lots of interests that I have. But if I love Jesus Christ and I love the person to which I'm talking, that's going to come up. Because it's a part of who I am. I've received it. I stand in it as my standing. And I was saved from it. And that excites me. That is good news so as we go from this place tonight and as we maybe talk to people on the phone or however your christmas looks this year i don't know let's talk about jesus let's talk about true love let's not talk about the hallmark movie love because that's cheesy this is true love this is something worth repeating so let's do that as we go from this place. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. It is because of your love that we can even express our love to other people. And we get to love you because you first loved us. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you so much for living and breathing and being tempted as we are, yet without sin, living your life pleasing to God and giving your life a ransom for all. Father, as we go from this place today, pray that the gospel would be on the front of our tongue, in the front of our mind, not in a brash way, and Father, not to be ashamed of it, 
because it's a part of who we are. It's our standing. Part of our love. Part of our life. Father, may people receive it. May people come to the light. Father, may people be encouraged. May become real in our lives. Thank you so much. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I hope this was a help to you. I hope it's something that you will take from this evening and continue to use it. And either if you're watching online or if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that is the most important gift that Jesus can give you, that anyone can give you. And I hope you'll be able to find that this Christmas. If you have any questions about that, we would love to answer those things for you. We would love to help you through that. And so uh, if you're online, you can just uh, check out our Connect card. It's there in the description. Or if you're here, you can feel free to talk to one of us. We'd love to be able to help with that, all right? Thank you so much for being here tonight. Hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. Hopefully we'll see some of you on Christmas Eve. But for now, you're dismissed. Thank you for being here.